Hello, my name is Brandon Reich, and you are listening to The Graphic Sound. Sound. Episode two, burnout. So I don't want this to be a boring episode or a downer of an episode, but I think it's something that definitely needs to be discussed. I think that um, a lot of the people that I talk to at conferences or at my talks or anything like that, they usually want to ask me about burnout. How do I deal with burnout? Do I get burnout? All those types of questions. I think that I have a career that has so many really cool name drop clients that people couldn't imagine that I would ever get burnout. It seems like such a cool job and exactly what somebody wants to do and all that good stuff, which it totally is. But it seems like something that no one could possibly get burnout by. So to give you a little background, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, which you should to get you a little bit more of a uh, primer on who I am and what I do and all that stuff. I am a graphic artist. My name is Brandon Reich, and I design uh, band tee graphics. That's pretty much the entirety of my whole career. I would say 85, 90% of what I do is band tee graphics. And the 10% is new stuff that's coming in that's a lot of fun and all that and all that sort of thing, which I'll get to later in this episode. So imagine doing the same exact thing for a decade. And that's essentially what I've done. So I have always been obsessed with band tee graphics. I've been obsessed with... Uh, with bands and you know the art that portrays them so I had a band a long time ago and I designed graphics for my band and then I started designing graphics for all the other bands so it it came out of a passion and obsession but also a necessity and then it turned into a career so you know when I would maybe design you know, three or four t-shirt graphics every few months for my band, other people started hiring me and then it would be a little bit more frequent. And now it gets to the point where it's not uncommon for me to design, I don't know, 15 to 20 t-shirt graphics in one day. So, and then there's a lot of those weeks that I do that same thing all five days. So you can do the math and add up how many t-shirt graphics I actually churn out in one week. So there's two things. There's number one, how do I stay inspired? How do I come up with new ideas? But also how do I keep from getting sick of it? I think the fact that I don't get sick of it more often is probably one of my greatest strengths. So I, I love doing it. It's you know, a graphic tee to me is this beautiful little like encapsulated nugget of graphic that is very portable. So you create one graphic for a t-shirt. It gets sold for a year or so. If it's really good, it gets sold for a long, longer time. If it doesn't sell as well, it doesn't get sold for a very long time. But there are a lot of other variables that determine the life of the actual graphic. But for me, I'm trying to create the timeless thing. I'm trying to create the thing that's going to be around for a long time. But a lot of times I know what's going to work for the tour and I know what the band is asking for and all that. So there's this balance between what I want to create and what I know is going to work. Now, the burnout for me, and this is, you know, I have to I have to do this episode early because this is just what I'm going through right now. The burnout for me is when my career started as me trying new things, doing new stuff, doing stuff that I was completely stoked on and trying to do my best work all the time. 
and then, you know, coming up with a whole line for a band and really, really being stoked on it and seeing the stuff that the band liked and the stuff that the band didn't like. It's very common that the stuff I was totally stoked on was the stuff that the band didn't like at all. Now, the first time you experience this sort of thing, um, it's going to blow your mind and you're going to be so confused and you might throw something against a wall or however you deal with problems. Um, but it's going to build this deep frustration and resentment inside of you. So you can kind of take that resentment that's going to build inside of you and figure out what you want to do with it. If you want to take that resentment and decide that you hate what you do and you hate the art directors you deal with and you hate the band that you're dealing with, then you are going to have a short career in this industry. And this, obviously I'm talking about band tees and music merchandise and all that stuff, but I think you guys know that this applies to a broad, broad spectrum of graphic design. So you can take this resentment, you can take this frustration and figure out what you're going to do with it. So you can either fight for your right and say that this is what I make. And if you don't like what I make, um, screw you and I'm done with you. You can do that if you want uh, more power to you if that's your point of view. But I have a... I have a guess that you're not going to be working very long if that's your attitude right off the bat. Now, is that attitude a terrible attitude to have? Sure, but is it completely wrong to have? No, not necessarily. But I think that that attitude, the attitude of screw you, this is all I want to make, I think that's got to come later in your career. I think that if you come out of the gate with that type of mentality, you're destined for maybe not failure, but you're not destined for total success. I'm sure a lot of people want to argue with me on that. I think that there's this balance between being an illustrator and being a designer. I think the balance between the two and sort of like, you know, sidestepping back and forth, which a lot of us do. And I, I definitely do the sidestep between illustrator and designer. And a lot of you guys might not even know the difference, but the sidestep between an illustrator and designer is number one, the illustrator, it's, it's advantageous for them to define one distinct style and to get really good at that style and for that style to get popular. And then people asking them to do that exact thing. I may have had phases in my career where I was able to create an illustration style and people wanted that style and I replicated it a couple times. But for me, that was unfulfilling. For me, there wasn't enough variation in that to keep myself from getting burnt out. Instead, it was sort of me, you know, doing a style, but then getting inspired by something else or getting inspired by a new font or whatever, and then kind of trying a different style with that. So I personally look back at my portfolio and I, f and I see it as a big um, mix of all kinds of different styles. But what has happened in my whole career is I may see it as a mix of a different, of a whole bunch of different styles, but inadvertently a style that I have, which is my signature style, sort of emerged um, without me really making that happen. It was sort of the natural thing that would occur if I create hundreds of graphics over course of my career. At this point, maybe it's into the thousands. I don't know if it's into the tens of thousands, but it's possible. So if you start churning out that much work, your style is something that you may not even need to um, specifier. You may not even need to have that intention behind it because I have a feeling if you're going to start doing hundreds of graphics, then your style is just going to merge without you trying to do it that way. So for me, what has been frustrating is if I have a style or if I have this thing that I'm really excited about doing and this, this whole vibe that I'm really excited about creating, and I realize the band doesn't love that. And I, you know, will do a submission and I'm like, man, this is my best work. I cannot wait to show them this stuff. 
and it just doesn't hit. And then if you go longer in your career, you start realizing that you get a feeling for the stuff that does hit and you start understanding what the band actually wants and the things that they're always going to approve. Obviously, you're going to make more money when things get approved. So there's this really crappy balance that happens of my best work isn't necessarily the stuff that I get paid the most for. And that's a really frustrating place to get to because it confuses everything you thought you knew about your rise to success in graphic design. For me, I have this style that I want to do. I have this style that I get excited about doing. I remember, let's see, it was probably around 2011, 2010, something like that, maybe 09. I can't remember. There was this little phase of doing a bunch of stuff for the band Norma Jean and there was a style that emerged with the stuff I did for Norma Jean that wasn't like anything I had seen anybody do, but it was so exactly what I wanted to do for myself. I think I did some, some of those in the style for Under Oath and some of those in the same style for The Chariot. And, you know, you, if you know those bands, you kind of know that, that whole world, that like hardcore metalcore world. And this style really... I had a lot of fun with, and there was a lot of, you know, exciting things I could do with it. It was enough to push me every day and be like, oh, I'm going to try something else. And I don't know, it was a mixture of finding some found elements and kind of having some odd little scraps of things in the, in the corners of the design and all this stuff. It was enough to get me excited. It was enough to give me this extra push on why I was doing it. So I got really excited about that style, but after a while I did that and it just, it didn't fulfill me as much. So this thing that was fulfilling me so much, it no longer was exciting for me to do. And then, of course, you you take one style that you're no longer excited to do, that will mess you up. And you also take, you know, creating something that you think is totally awesome, but your client doesn't love. And also realizing that the thing that your client loves is not your best work. So what happens is you have, well, what has happened with me, I have this realization that I could probably have more longevity in this industry and make more money in this industry if I decide to do the stuff that I know is going to get approved. So most of the time I am doing the stuff that I know is going to get approved. Is my best work in there somewhere? Sure. Let's say I submit five graphics for a band. Um, Maybe one or two of those is the stuff that Brandon's really, really stoked on. Um, But the other ones are the stuff that I do because I know that's what's going to get approved. So then there's this bigger problem and there's this bigger like, you know, existential crisis of, so you're telling me that I'm not creating my best work and I'm putting my 60% out into the world and the whole entire band merchandise dice industry has a lot of my 60% sprinkled in it. And that's the problem. That 60% is what the band wants. I'm keeping the client happy. You know, the art directors that have me do the stuff, they're happy because the band's happy and it appears that everybody's happy. Well, us creatives have this stupid need to be fulfilled and that screws everything up. It screws everything up because we are in this world where like, if you can do a thing and get paid for a thing, then keep doing that thing. Well, for whatever reason, us creatives think we're entitled to be fulfilled and be excited about every project we do and be pushed and do our best work all the time and all that sort of thing. It's like we're insane. It's like we're masochistic and we're just trying to like drive ourselves nuts because nobody wants our best work. 
So there's this really weird balance that you have to find in there. Of course, as a creative, you need to keep yourself fulfilled. Of course, as a creative, you need to continue your career. So you got to figure out what the balance between that stuff is. So I guess that's what I want to talk about on this episode is all of this stuff, it contributes to burnout. And burnout is something that all graphic designers and all artists and whoever, people who do the same sort of thing every day for an extended period of time, you're going to experience burnout. You're going to see the vast contrast between when you were super stoked to create and for some reason you're just not stoked at all to create. The work is the same. The things that people are asking you to do is the same. You once were totally excited about doing the stuff that you have to do But for some reason, you can't get out of bed. And for some reason, you can't hop up and, you know, clap your hands together in front of your computer and say, let's do this. Because I've had days, man, where I'm clapping. I'm saying, let's do this. You know, I got some, I got the music going. I got my whole vibe going in my office and I'm ready to do it. And then the next day, it's like, where did that go? And is that ever going to come back? So it will come back. I'm going to tell you that it is going to come back. Um, You're going to be just as excited about the work that you do as you used to be, but you are going through burnout and that's okay. And it's natural. And your favorite designers go through burnout. If you like me as a designer, I go through burnout all the time. Half of my job is just keeping myself up. You know, the point of this podcast is to keep myself up and to have all you listeners out there remind me that I'm not alone and I have this I have this tribe of people that support me and you know, I want you to know that I support you. I want you to stay creative. I want you to stay excited. I want you to fight to stay excited because the world wants to bum you out. What's the cause of burnout? The cause of burnout is, I guess, at the, at the basic form is the things that once excited you don't excite you anymore. Um, so that means that you're so confused because this used to be the thing and now it's not the thing. This used to fulfill every need and now it doesn't fulfill every need. So there's this other worry attached to the fact that the work in front of you doesn't fulfill you. So now you're wondering if your whole entire career is sustainable at all. Are you going to be able to pull this off? How much longer are you going to be able to go through the motions, even though you're not passionate about what you're doing? This is what I'm trying to figure out now. I'm terrified of sustainability. I have been lucky enough to, since 2002, when I really, I guess that's when I say that this freelance operation started because that was my chance to really see like, I don't know, to like file taxes and see how much money I made that year and all that sort of thing. So in 2002, I feel like I had regular work. Now, if a lot of you are confused, um, yes, I did have a band, Dead Poetic, that was touring at that time. But to clarify, I had a laptop on the road with me and I was doing a lot of work in the green room, in the hotel, even in the van. I was doing a lot of design graphics. So some of the early stuff that I did for bands like He Is Legend and Under Oath and Beloved and all that, those were actually done on the computer while I was on tour. So I didn't actually sit down in my office for an entire year until 2005. So 2005 is the first time I was actually stationary. Um, But I like to say 2002 was when this whole thing actually started. So throughout that entire career, I have been lucky enough that every year has been better than the previous year, which is really the goal, right? I think the plateau is scary. 
even if it's a slight incline, I think it's good if you know that you can either plateau or slightly incline throughout your career. So my goal is to just go up a little bit each year, make a little bit more money, uh, maybe be a little bit happier with my work, do a little less of the stuff that I hate. And every year I think I'm able to cut off some of the stuff that I don't want to do. And I know I've had a, had a long career. I think that a lot of people are impatient. I'm actually very patient. Um, but sometimes that patience kind of freaks me out because I start seeing the progression of other people's career. Well, you know what? I'm not going to say the progression of people's career. I'm going to say the progression of people's popularity or the people who get appointed the thought leaders in the industry. And I think that that happens fairly quickly for people. So for me, I've kind of viewed myself as the tortoise. Um, I'm always going to be slow and steady. I'm going to be keep churning away. This machine is always going to be humming. It's always going to be running. And I'm always going to be churning out work. There's going to be times when the work is better and there's going to be a time when the work is maybe slightly phoned in. And if I catch myself phoning work in, then that's when I know that I'm burnt out. That's when I know that passion isn't driving me. And that's when I know I have to get out of it. I know I'm burnt when I don't wake up early in the morning. <laughs> I know I'm burnt when I don't have a real purpose for waking up in the morning. So I got to figure out what it is exactly that's, that's making me burn out and how I got to fix it. So my question really for this whole episode is how to shake off burnout. And I wish I could have like rehearsed this episode and had a good answer, but I don't, I don't freaking know. That's my problem. I don't know how to shake this burnout off because it's compounded with the fact that my career seems successful. It seems successful from an outside perspective, but it also seems successful from my perspective. My big picture is great. I'm an artist for a living, but my day-to-day is sometimes met with some eye rolling and saying, man, I don't really feel like doing this today. I just got to got to lock down and get it done. Um, I often work on the day of the deadline. So sometimes my motivation is that deadline. And unfortunately, sometimes that's my only motivation is because I know this thing has to be done in three hours. So I have no choice but to do it. I often find that if I try to work on things days in advance or way in advance, there's just not the same motivation that happens on the deadline. I don't really miss these deadlines. I have definitely in this past year, which is a big problem, in the past year I have found the deadlines that I know probably aren't in stone and then I'll email them saying, can I get another day on this or something like that? And that's totally unlike me. Um, But I have done that and I don't, you know, I think it's a mix of having too much work, too much on my plate. But then, you know, if there's a lot on my plate and I'm super hungry, then I'll usually get it done. But sometimes the hunger is not there like it used to be. And I got to figure out how to get out of that. So what I'm going to try and tell you And this is advice from an ailing person. This is my advice for myself. And um, I hope that maybe this advice helps you. What I've realized, and I read this book a long time ago called um, Standing at Water's Edge. And essentially, it's about the psychology behind creative people. One of the things, I honestly can't remember much about the book, but I just remember this basic concept that makes total sense to me. Building a community around you is essentially building a safety net 
So what this community is, is people to remind you that you're not alone and they don't even have to be creative people. That's not even the point. Just knowing that you have a community of people around you stretches the safety net underneath the tight rope that we walk all the time. And we're totally, you know, especially if you're a freelancer, you are totally, completely, utterly alone. And the, any of your success depends on your motivation and it depends on your gumption, depends on if, you know, if you're feeling it that day. So if you can build a community of people around you, there's support there. And this support is more of a um, subconscious type of support. You may not realize that they're saying, hey, have fun on that one project you're working on tomorrow. Do a good job on it. I believe in you. They're not necessarily saying that. They're just there. And you know that the worst that it could possibly be, you still have their support. So no matter how bad of a day you have working, then they're still going to be there for you. So that's important. Maybe that's your family. Uh, maybe that you're, that's your friend group or something. For me, I'm in this interesting position where it's hard for me to find my tribe locally. And you need to find your tribe. If you don't know what your tribe is, I believe Seth Godin's book is just called Tribes. I may be wrong, but he kind of explains what your tribe is. But, you know, for me, when I go to design conferences, I see this is my tribe. And I have this interesting situation where since I was in a band that toured the country several times, I made a lot of friends that don't live where I live. Now, these people are 100% my tribe. They're the people that I can uh, hang out with and it's like just 100% comfortable. Everything's cool. These are my people. But unfortunately, these people live all over the country and I don't really get to see them. And as social media has grown, Facebook has grown, well, you see what's going on in people's lives. So you feel a little bit less need to um, call them up and say, how are things going? Because obviously, if you call them and say, how are things going? They're saying, well, my kid had their first day of kindergarten. I know I saw it on Facebook. And yeah, so I'm, oh, I'm working at this place now. Yeah, I know I saw it on Facebook. So you go through all these things and you realize that there's less need for phone communication and there's less reason to um, be verbally communicating with people because you essentially know what, you know, all those questions are. And, you know, for me, I found the only thing I really got to talk to them about is directly about my own burnout. I want to say, how are they doing? Are they burnt out on anything? You know, what's, what's going on in their life? But the harder the burnout gets, the more I get in my own head. And I find that all I'm really doing when I'm calling my friends is like, dude, you got to save me from this because I need to get motivated. I need to change my perspective. I need to get excited about what I'm doing again. And that's a lot, a lot of pressure to put on your friends. And that's a lot of pressure to put on your mom and your brother and your dad and all that stuff. So I have to sort of, uh, I don't know, I have to sort of keep that uh, at bay. And I'm trying to figure out what to do about that. And I think, you know, going back to this podcast, that's what the point is. The point is that I know that I need a creative community around me. I know that when I go to conferences and I go to talks and everything like that, this creative community is like overwhelming to me and it's overwhelmingly helpful. So I know how needed it is and I'm just trying to figure out how to replicate it in a way that actually makes sense to me. One of my big problems is that I stay really, really busy. So I fill up my entire day with work and by five, six, seven o'clock, I am drained. I'm like, you know, head on the desk type of drained and there's little room left for community. You know, all the, all the room I have left is to go downstairs and watch TV with my wife and, you know, whatever we have on the DVR. So 
this bigger community rubbing shoulders with other creatives that are going through the same stuff as you are, I feel like it's getting harder as social media gets popular because we kind of feel like, well, we have that on Facebook or whatever, but you guys know what it's like. I mean, I mean like the Facebook people, like that isn't real interaction anymore. Twitter isn't even real interaction anymore. For me, the best, you know, I, I think that dribble for me is fun because I get to post work, you know, and people say good job. And that good job is like, it's a lot, you know, and I'm trying to figure out, is it an ego feeder? Is that the whole point of dribble is to get on there and to just have people tell you you're, you're awesome or whatever. But for me, it's not for me. It's just to remind myself that I'm not alone. And I know that sounds super pathetic, but I'm just trying to get honest on this podcast. And I think that you guys are going through the same stuff and I'm just going to say it. And I'm going to say it because I think that everybody needs a little bit of help and we need a little bit of community. So it's your job when you're burnt out to go and find a creative community that can encourage you and that can make you feel like you're not alone and can remind you what you're good at and remind you why you are doing this and why you have a career in this and all that stuff. You need to be reminded that you are powerful. You need to be reminded that you are freaking dangerous and that you can do something and that you are a force. You need to be reminded that you are a force. And if you can look at yourself as a force, if you can look at yourself as someone who has a responsibility to create something that the world hasn't seen yet, well, then you get to change your perspective because you have an original voice that nobody else has. And we are not going to hear that voice unless you speak up. Um, we are not going to see your style unless you go for it. And we're not going to feel your passion unless you show it. So... This is my own responsibility for myself. I'm talking to you right there, but I think I'm talking to myself also. So it's not good for creative people like us to stay in a cave and to isolate ourselves and to the point where we're not helping anybody at all. And I've definitely been doing that. I'm, I'm most productive when I'm isolated. I'm most productive when the room is quiet without distraction but I'm not helping anybody else. And if I'm not helping anybody else when I'm isolated in that room, then sooner or later, I'm going to start to feel that burden. I'm going to start to feel the fact that Brandon, you're not doing anything greater than you. All you're doing is the work. All you're doing is creating the stuff. And tomorrow you're going to create new stuff, but nobody's lives are changing. I've realized that I have a responsibility to speak up. I have a responsibility to tell you my story and to help you with your burnout because we all get burnout and we're all going through it and we're all going through it at different times. And sometimes you can catch somebody right when they got out of it. And sometimes you're going to catch somebody right when they got in it. Sometimes you're going to catch somebody where they don't even know what burnout is, but they're going to find out sooner or later. Um, and then you can catch somebody right in the middle of it, just right in, just wallowing right in the middle of burnout. And we all go through it, man. We all have those ebbs and flows of our motivation. It's like, Sometimes I wish this job was one that we could just do thoughtlessly, but we have to be creative and we have to come up with ideas on a daily basis. And those ideas not only have to impress the client, they have to impress us. And if they're not impressing us, then that's really where the burnout starts. So there's this balance of impress the client, but impress yourself a little bit. So... I'm not going to say that the reason that you need to show your style is because the people need to see your style and that you, everybody needs to see how cool you are and everybody wants to see how original you are and all that stuff. 
The other reason that you really need to show your style is to give yourself a motor to keep doing it and to give yourself a carrot to dangle in front of you to keep pushing. If you have just given up completely on your style, if you have given up completely on your aesthetic or your point of view or your story or any of that stuff, then burnout is going to start setting in. So you have to find some little tiny selfish reason for creating what you create. Now, big picture, it's all about the client. It's all about keeping the client happy. Secondary, it's about pushing the client to have better taste or to go with the better idea. But let's say tertiary is that, um, and that means thirdly, let's say third, you've got to give yourself a selfish reason to keep doing the thing that you're doing. And sometimes it's as easy as a new font and sometimes it's as easy as a new Photoshop brush or it's an easy as a, I don't know, some punk flyer that you saw or whatever. I don't know what you guys are inspired by. Go to Pinterest, go to design inspiration, go to dribble, whatever. Understand to get inspired by the vibe, get inspired by new ideas. Don't rip anybody off. We're going to take care of that on another episode so that you understand what ripping off actually means. But Be reminded that people are coming up with new ways of doing things. Be reminded that there are a myriad of other ways to do things. There are a myriad of other things to get motivated by. And just one little thing can be the spark or can be the thing that snaps you out of your funk and gives you a reason to just push harder and gives you a reason to just like go for it. So... I don't know if I have come to the solution of burnout and I think that this podcast is going to continue to be me trying to sort through some of these things because man, I'm going through it right now. This podcast is the thing that I wake up motivated for and I want to do this. Of course, I'm still grinding away at work. Um, I had to work late last night so that I could do this podcast today. So the deadlines I have today, I took care of last night. So this is my way of pushing myself to do something different and to do something out of my box and to be, you know, to take responsibility for a bigger picture than myself. So I'm here to help you. Um, I'm here to, I'm helping myself. At least I'm trying to along the way. I'm trying to get this stuff out, but I'm here to help you. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone. And I'm here to let you know that you are a force. You are a creative force that has something to say. So spend today trying to figure out what it is that you have to say that nobody else has and what your original voice is. Use that as a motor to push yourself through your work. Of course, please the client, give the client what they want, but find some selfish reasons to Stay motivated with what you're doing. Keep your head up. You got this. Burnout is always temporary. on all social media and on brandonreich.com. This podcast was produced by myself and Brian Skeel of chrisgrammastering.com. Theme music by The Hands of Stone. Title intro song remix by my good friend Jesse Kale at Jesse Kale on Twitter. Drum interludes by the great Jesse Sprinkle. Check him out at jessesprinkle.bandcamp.com. This outro song by Graham Bowl from the Free Music Archive, CC by NC. You can find more info on this podcast at thegraphicsound.com and join the conversation by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegraphicsound. Thank you for listening and listening. Don't let them kill your soul.